and welcome to a new episode of Digital Coffee Gaming Brew, and I'm your host, Brett Dicer. You please subscribe to Digital Coffee and all your favorite podcasting apps. Leave a five-star review, and let us get to the top of that genre in the podcasting category. But this week, I'm going to be talking about Resident Evil, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Calbunga Edition, how well it did, Starfield, Sons of the Forest, Trapang 2, Ubisoft Plus maybe coming to Xbox Game Pass, maybe. RTX 3060. I'm also going to be talking about Everspace 2's launch and the Halo Master Chief Collection multiplayer coming to Steam Deck. The new Ryzen 7800X 3D chip. And then my main thing we're talking about is the Overwatch 2 Season 4 that's coming up and new hero that apparently just just regurgitates left wokest bs because that's what they all care about all of a sudden and it makes no sense whatsoever but anyways let's get on with the show Mmm, that's good. All right, and a happy Friday to you all. And I'm finally back from being sick for two weeks. Yeah, that was actually quite fun. But anyways, let's get on with it. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga Edition sells 1 million copies, which is actually pretty good. Now it is the older games from the 8 and 16-bit era. You play some of the arcade versions you play some of the nintendo game boy game gear versions of it it's very fun it's very nostalgic and i highly recommend it if you played those games way back when i actually like the arcade versions of it a little bit more but the other ones are fine as well but it's just it's just a fun time just going back into it and playing you also have the teenage ninja, ninja turtles shredder game as well which is a new version but still in that 16 to 18 or 16 to 8 bit not 18 there's no 18 bit 8 to 16 bit era for that as well so i am all for this all for the old school teenage ninja turtles not the new school stuff because it's all well bs as it always is because no company can not actually be sane anymore anyways it's highly recommended, and you should actually pick it up. All right, moving on to Resident Evil 4 Remake, and it adds free fan-made DLC and paid weapons upgrade. Now, this is the Mercenary thing that is just released as a DLC, free DLC, mind you, but you can also pay money to actually get weapons upgrade, and the tickets sell for 3 One is for $3, three is for $7, and five tickets is for $10, there are multiple sets of one uh, of the ones and the threes too. So you can basically upgrade every single weapon to use in the game if you wanted to as well. But the upgrade tickets are not limited to the mercenary DLC, which you can download as arcade style as well. So if you want to do that, that's great. Uh, but I really wouldn't, but you could also get the $70 deluxe edition of the game, which will let you start the game with a Sentinel nine handgun and a skull shaker shotgun. So there's that as well, but this is a single player game. So if you get 
in the single player version, I don't mind so much if you get like more weapons or better weapons in the beginning because you're just playing single player. But multiplayer, I kind of, mm, I'm, I'm a little hesitant always about that because then it becomes pay to win, which is never great. But I always highly recommend the old Resident Evil games, especially RE4, because RE4 was one of the best ones that came out for the GameCube. Yeah, it came out, originally came out for the GameCube a long time ago, but then with the remake, it's come out with all the latest ones, which was one of the best Resident Evil games. Resident Evil 2 is another great one. You can get the Resident Evil 3 remake and then the Resident Evil 4 remake because they're all doing all the remakes of the good older games, not the new games, because the new games are actually really good by themselves. And I mean from 6 on are the 6 Whatever the one prior to the action heavy one was where it was the first person one, that one to the village is kind of brought back what made Resident Evil so great. So I'm actually excited about this and you should actually pick up RE4 if you can. All right, so Starfield is supposed to come out this year. We'll see if it actually comes out this year because we never really know. It says it's coming out this year, and then it actually doesn't, and it's delayed again. It's been delayed, I think, like two or three times, which is kind of funny, but it's Bethesda, especially with uh, the company that does Elder Scroll games. This is very interesting to actually see that they're making a new type of game, which is very similar to what... The other ones are, but it's more in space. But what really is going to be interesting is see how Starfield will help Xbox Game Pass because this will be one of the bigger franchise releases, including when Halo, the previous or the newest Halo game came out. It came out on Xbox as well. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see how well this actually does for Xbox Game Pass and if it, it will actually help with the subscription and getting more subscriptions on there. Theoretically, it's supposed to be around 10 million subscribers, only because most of the time there actually hasn't been any great Xbox games coming to it. The last one was, the last few was Flight Sim, Horizon 5, and the Halo series, the Halo Master Chief Collection, plus the Halo newest game as well. But you could also pick those up on Steam, so you had options and you had choices. So it should be interesting to see if Starfield actually helps with that and helps with getting that. You also have Redfield coming out that will actually be on the Xbox game pass because it is developed and published by Bethesda, which is owned by Microsoft. So once again, we'll be interesting to see when these games start to come out, how well this does in the long run for these types of subscriptions. I always said that, Whichever one you pick, if you're more PC and you're more Xbox, Xbox Game Pass is a very good deal, especially with getting the EA Pass. It's not the most expensive one, but you still get a discount if you buy through EA as well, and you get cloud gaming as well. The PlayStation one's not bad, but you don't get as much stuff as you get with the Xbox one. All right, moving on to Sons of the Forest latest patch is very interesting. So it's gonna be adding electric unicycles because that's really what you need in a survival game. And body buoyancy, especially baby body buoyancy as well, which is more realistic because dead bodies do seem to float. So 
either some people will be like, ah, I don't like this, or they'll be like, oh, this is cool. It's adding a little bit more realistic, lifelike stuff to it. To each his own on that one, I'm not really going to really go get on my soapbox and tell you about that stuff because that doesn't really matter. The one things I actually matter and nitpick about is the woke ideology that always seems to be crept into these things and seems to be largely white liberals that love it and everybody else that just really, really hates it. So it's why I'm always hard on that one and not so hard on this stuff in general, because this just kind of brings a little bit more of realism to the game as opposed to unrealistic ideologies that never hold up to scrutiny. All right, moving on to Trepang 2, which is basically a... I guess a spiritual successor to fear, the original fear and fear Two. fear was probably the best of the series. Fear two was okay. And fear three was don't play at all because it's useless. But this one is supposed to be reminiscent of the original fear, which I highly recommend. WB games should really just remake that game, but they probably won't because they don't really make too many games. But anyways, this is coming out at in June 21st. So pretty soon, and this is very reminiscent of fear, meaning that it does have a very smart AI and it is bullet or gun, gun foo or the, the huge thing. Cause fear came out around when matrix was new ish and it was very interesting to see that game because it, it had realistic or had, AI that would, for the most part, act realistic as humans would. It would try to get to cover. It would try to flush you out with grenades. It would do a whole bunch of things that you normally wouldn't see in first-person shooter games, and you don't see a lot still. I mean, still, AI is, for the most part, pretty dumb. For the most part, they're not that smart, but this one actually makes it look like that. And the first game that actually really made AI realistic ish in a way was the original halo the original halo uh, not halo i say the original half-life that's <laughs> two h's the original half-life had realistic ai when they would throw grenades they would work together as a team it, it made it pretty difficult at times but this one actually does the same thing with those two predecessors that another game has actually done it seems like after fear they really stopped trying to make AI realistic and more lifelike for whatever reason, not really quite sure why, but this one kind of brings that back, which I'm excited for because I do like that type of hard gameplay style of it. All right, moving on to rumor slash interesting news that Ubisoft plus could be coming to the Xbox game pass. Now we're not really quite sure if that's it, but it seems like there is some type of push to that. Now look at both EA and Ubisoft both have their own subscriptions, but no one really wants to pay for that exclusive publisher type of thing. When you don't feel like you're like the Netflix of subscriptions because everybody wants as much as you can get through it because it's easier that way. So let's say, for example, if or when, and I think it's more when Microsoft buys Activision Blizzard, then they could actually maybe fold that in as well, which would even be better a deal because then you would get even more games. But 
This seems like it likely could come to Xbox and it could be part of the ultimate Game Pass package that you would get. So that would add that plus that would add the lower tier EA Play that you would get as well. So that's two subscription passes that you would get within the Xbox Game Pass, which still makes a really good deal for $15 a month. Plus, if eventually when they add the friends and family deal, which you could add more people to it, then it even gets even better and cheaper for everybody if you go that route as well. So it looks like it's a very interesting time for that, and we'll see if this actually happens. I think it's going to happen because Ubisoft has not been doing well for the past few years, a few months. I mean, there's been a lot of news about them just not doing well in general, so... We'll see what happens with this. We'll see how well this does. If it actually does come to it, if it does even better and just better for gamers in general, I think, I mean, I know some gamers are against subscriptions and that's fine. You still have steam. You still have other places who actually buy it, but for those that are okay with it, it's still another option. Like I said, it's options. You don't have to like it and you don't have to buy it, but telling other people you shouldn't buy it to stand against whatever is also pretty dumb. All right, moving on to the most popular GPU on Steam is now the RTX 3060. It is the most popular by far, and it's in the 3060 is two times more popular, as popular as the 3060 Ti, at least according to Steam. And Steam is a good benchmark for this. So in a survey conducted by Steam in March 2023, about 82.63% of Steam users use an NVIDIA graphics card and 10.82% use an AMD graphics card and Intel only has 6.33%. But remember, Intel just came into the market on that one. So it's going to it's gonna have to build up over time for that one. But this month, the NVIDIA RTX 3060 has become the most commonly used graphics card on Steam, surpassing the RTX 2060 and the GTX 1060. And the NVIDIA RTX 3060 is currently used by 10.44% of Steam users, which is almost as many Steam users as all of AMD GPU users. I mean, it's funny. It's sad and funny at the same time because I think AMD is getting better with their GPUs, but still sad at the same time. It remains a useful tool for developers when choosing what PC hardware to target their games for. And the Steam hardware survey also contains a lot of useful data on the hardware used by PC gamers showcasing that 73.95% of Steam users use Windows 10, while 22.41% use Windows 11, 45.67% of Steam users now use CPUs with six cores, and a further 18.45% use CPUs with eight cores. 4.62% of Steam users have a CPU with 12 cores. And another noteworthy data point is that 56.92% of Steam users have 16 gigs of system memory and on that 22.41% of Steam users have 32 gigs of memory within their system. A lot of good data on there. And also there's other figures, including that 95% of Steam users have DirectX 12 complaint compliant graphics cards, which makes which makes sense given that DirectX 12's games are used. 
CPU wise Intel CPUs, which Intel CPUs are uh, accounting for 74.46% of users. AMD CPUs are used 22.54% of Steam users. Now this is because it's hard to break that cycle for a lot of gamers that AMD actually has good CPUs and they did actually beat out Intel for a while. Now the new ones, it's been going back and forth, which is fine, which I like. I don't really want to see one dominant over the other, but it's kind of funny to see that because the dominant one will always be dominant regardless of how well the underdog does for a lot of PC gamers. So I know for a while Intel was the CPU to get for gaming and then AMD came out the Ryzen chipset and that became, well, a lot more attractive to a lot of users, especially since they actually support the AM5, AM4 previously, now the AM5 socket for the CPUs for quite a while. I think they said they would support it for about five years, which is actually pretty good. In Intel, you always have to buy a new one because every new CPU requires a new motherboard which makes it very expensive i mean unfortunately if i upgrade i will actually have to get a new motherboard because i still have the am4 which i got the last the 5 series which is the 5950x which maybe next year or the year after i might actually upgrade to it as well because we'll get better ddr5 ram maybe cheaper a little bit more plus with the new pci5 makes it a lot more attractive but all in all, this is very interesting data to consider where PC gamers are and where they actually buy their stuff. Not surprising that more PC gamers use Windows 10 over Windows 11, even though Windows 11 is finally better now. And also interesting to see that Intel is still king among gamers and Nvidia obviously is still king among gamers as well. So if you're a developer listening to this, this is a good indicator on where you should actually put your hardware, but I'm not saying you shouldn't try to support all of it but it's a good indicator on where the popularity is among gamers. All right, so Everspace 2 is finally out. It is out of early access after two years of launch, which is always good. Everspace is kind of the rogue-like space action game, I would probably call it, and it's and the first one was actually fun, and this one's going to be even better. So if you haven't checked it out, check it out soon. I know Boulder's Gate 3 is going to be coming out this year. I think it's August as well, and that's going to come out of early access. So got a lot of early access games finally coming to, to fruition, and a lot of them are probably going to be really good. All right, moving on to the Halo, the Master Chief Collection, and you'll be able to play multiplayer on the Steam Deck. I think that's actually a really good idea. I don't think getting an X-Boy or there was a rumor for that one because they have cloud, and I think... Microsoft should actually focus on the cloud gaming side of it and not actually a handheld hardware device. Leave that to Steam and everybody else and focus on cloud because cloud is eventually going to be good once once we get better Wi-Fi and everything else. But this is actually good because then you could actually play... Now, it's probably not going to be great on using a thumbsticks with a FPS. I'm never good at that, but it's good to see that they actually are supporting Steam Deck. Steam Deck is a very good thing, and they now have, Sabrant now has NVMe cards or NVMe 
hard drives you can put in your Steam Deck, which you can now upgrade even more, which is even better for that one as well. So it is looking really good. And you still have iFixit that actually makes replacement parts for it. So if anything breaks, you can still actually use it and not be like, well, I now have to buy a whole new Steam Deck for this. You don't actually have to. That's what I like about it. And this is even better. You can also play all the uh, the TMNT Shredder's Revenge game. I don't know if you can play the Cowbungo one yet. I wish they would actually have support for that one. But you can play one of the TMNT or Teenage Ninja Turtles games for it. All right, moving on to the Ryzen 7 7800X3D. And this one is one of Intel's best gaming chips for this now this isn't great for other tasks unfortunately it doesn't do great for multi-threading or multitasking so if you're looking to content create i probably wouldn't go with this one i would stick with the 7900 and 7950 for that one but this one is good for gaming if that's all you care about now it's going to be the most power efficient gaming chip out there right now which is another great thing because of the 3d Vcash CPUs seem to actually be better for that in general, but if you're looking for that 3D cache or the 3D Vcash and you're looking to do various different things beyond gaming, the 7950X 3D, which is more expensive, will be better for that one in general, but at least for gaming wise, you should look at the 7800X 3D for that one. Now, should you buy this over a more powerful GPU? Probably not. The GPU will probably carry you a lot longer on that one, but it does help with it. Now, it is cheaper than getting the top end G uh, NVIDIA GPU, which, you, I mean, it's, it's going to be around $500, so you're probably going to be looking more for the 4060 than anything else. But beyond that... Yes, it's still going to be good for power efficiency in general, but I would wait until more AM5 motherboards come out for AMD. We don't have very many right now, but they still eventually they will come down on price. It's just new type of hardware usually is more expensive in the beginning and then it comes down in price eventually. All right, moving on to Overwatch 2 Season 4. Yes, it's coming out next week on Tuesday, April 11th. And there is a new healer, a new support, I should say, called Life Weaver. And Life Weaver has eight or nine abilities. It's, it's, it's a lot of abilities and really interesting that it has so many abilities because most of the characters don't have that many. So... First off, he is a he, he is he does have a healing ability. It is basically a self-lock healing ability that surprisingly Diva can eat those things. So don't be around a Diva when you're healing. Also has ability to lift people up with her with his little flower. Because it's it's a flower thing. And surprisingly enough, Sombra is probably the best counter for him she can hack that little flower lift thing but the flower can actually get you out of a lot of ults it will 
effectively neuter Ryan's alt. It will neuter Diva's alt. It will neuter. It will neuter a lot of the tank alts, which is kind of funny. It will neuter Zarya's alt, where it won't even do any good. There's a lot of things where I'm like, ooh, this one could be like an alt killer, not even using their own alt for it. So the one alt that I don't think will actually neuter it too much is the Roadhog alt will actually be really powerful against it, but most of them will neuter it. And, and basically, if you're a tank, I would be wise on when they actually throw down that because once they throw down that, it is a good time to alt. Now, once I said before, Sombra is probably one of the best characters to basically help with neutering Life Weaver. She can hack that lift where it won't be useful at all. Also, her EMP will get rid of his alt, which is a life tree, which basically will heal, pulsing heal type of thing. So we'll get you out of gem. He's not as good with healing. He's, he's a little bit lower on the healing output of it, but he does have that pull thing, a life grasp or whatever it's called, where he will pull people away if there need be. Now in some videos, it looks like you can pull people into a well in some of the maps. If there's a boop opportunity, you can unintentionally boop your own teammate, but Blizzard has said that they have kind of worked with that and that it won't be a problem. We'll see if that's it or not. Also in season four, what will be new is that there will be no more map pools. So you'll be able to play all the maps, which is way better. And maybe it will help with the widow heavy maps that there seems to be a lot of them, but that's where we're at. There's going to be a lot of, I, I guess, interesting choices for our interesting skins for the characters and the brig rework is here. So that's going to be interesting. Now the brig rework doesn't really do much for just her regular kit. It's basically her alt ability. Her shield gets widescreen support. I guess it, it's a lot bigger and you can stun multiple people at one time. It's a one second stun. Also, there is rechargeable armor with her ultimate, but her speed boost gets reduced from 30% to 15%. So there is basically a difference. Now there are going to be some, re, some, I guess, minor nerfs to Reinhardt. So his armor health has been reduced from 300 to 250. So there's a 50 reduction. 50 point reduction in his armor and his base health gets a 25, 25 boost. So from 175 to 200 for Sigma, his impact, his accretion, his impact reduced from 60 to 40. So 80 damage total with explosion knockback duration is a little bit higher from 0.8 seconds to 1.1 seconds. So it allows for more, I guess more play for that one as well. So Cassidy gets a, a bit of a nerf. His base health, base health has been reduced from 225 to 200. And his finally manag magnetic grenade damage has been reduced from 131 <laughs> to 120. So you won't be able to body shot and then throw your magnetic grenade and kill Squishy. It's, you'll, you'll get him pretty low. 
you'll have to follow up with another shot. Now, EMP can now disable Blizzard, so may characters watch out for Sombra because she can now do that. Also, for the support and a sleep dart, maximum duration on tank heroes reduced 30% from 5 to 3.5 seconds. Thank God, because it, it gets so annoying to get slept by her. So at least it's not as long. I already talked about Rally, but here is some more of the things. Brig no longer gradually builds trend, uh, temporary health like her nearby allies. Rally now upgrades her barrier shield and it increases also the the, I didn't say this, but the barrier health increased from 300 to 75, 750, sorry, 750. So that's a huge increase in her barrier health. Also, bonus movement has reduced from 30 to 15%. Repair packs range reduced from 30 to 25 meters, so a little bit of a nerf. Mercy gets another change again, so her... Healing, healing per second increase from 45 to 55. Healing is no longer increased for allies under half health. Thank God, because it was so hard to eliminate anybody with that. So it was so annoying. Guardian Angel, cooldown reduced from 2.5 to 1.5 seconds. Jump and crouch cancel active ability. State duration increased from 1 to 1.5 seconds. The jump and crouch cancel active abilities state can no can no longer be manually interrupted to begin the cooldown early and then support role passive healing is now active for the duration of Valkyrie. Now Moira gets a very interesting buff actually. So Fade can now be activated during coalescence. So when you do your pop your ult, you can actually use coalescence to reposition or get out of a jam before you couldn't, which makes it even a little bit more interesting for somber players because we could always Cancel your alt, which we still can. It'll just make sure that the coalescence is already used, and then you can actually do that. Also, coalescence bonus movement speed reduced from 50 to 40% because you get you can activate fade at the same time. Biograsp lingering health duration increased from two to three seconds, so it's a little bit longer on that one. So I am excited and not excited at the same time. Life Weaver is interesting. I forgot to add that when he dies, he will give an extra health gift to both enemies and allies if you pick it up. It was kind of, it's kind of reminiscent of the old Reaper when he eliminates somebody. There was those orbs that he would pick up. This is somewhat similar, but if an ally picks up his parting gift, they get about 300, 350. It's, it's, a, it's like a big health pack, basically. If an enemy picks it up, it's 75, so like a small health pack. He also has a little bit of a, an escape, which is kind of like a dash, which does help. And he does have a, a kind of like Mercy, just kind of like a, a offensive weapon as well. It's almost like the Needler from Halo, and it doesn't do that much damage. So this is very good for Sombra players because Kiriko was like the menace for Sombra players. And he's a very interesting support in a way. I just don't like the forced woke ideologies and like the, we have to really care about their sexuality and everything else. Who cares? Like seriously, if that's your number one thing for creating characters, and you really don't understand like the whole diversity is our strength. No diversity. Our thought is our strength. Diversity of 
superficial characteristics is not our strength. It's actually our weakness because if we care anybody about superficial things, we are superficial ourselves. Also read books. Anyways, I like a lot of what is happening and I don't like a lot of what's happening. Like I said, it, I'm a mixture of things. I think the brig rework will be interesting. I don't know how well it is. Now there is no mention of Sombra's rework, which either is they didn't really want to do it anymore after looking at it or they're still working on it. Not really quite sure. They are still looking to rework Moira. And I'm pretty sure a bunch of other characters are looking to rework Cassidy and specifically his magnetic grenade. This is just kind of a stopgap for when they actually get it right. Would I say that Sombra needs a re rework? No, because she's supposed to be intentionally annoying, quote unquote. The That's everybody's complaint. She's annoying. I'm like, that's the whole point. So here's my thing. I excited for season four because of a lot of just different skins coming out for the battle pass and everything else. I'm excited for the, to see the interaction and how you can be a menace for Sombra with life weaver or work with him as well, because I think there's good, interesting things for it. Will I see Sombra play more probably because she's probably the best counter to him. She can hack his little lift platform. She can EMP his, his alt. And then you can also EMP Blizzard too. So she's getting a little bit more utility for eliminating different alts. So there's that as well. It's just looking very interesting for Sombra because people hate her, but she's not played as much, but given her utility and more utility, especially in the first few months when people are want to play the new support hero, this should be very interesting to see. I'm not always happy about these, these woke things being in, involved with this because as gamers, we're, we're a bunch of different people. I really accept that is that we're a bunch of different people with different ideas and that's fine. That's, that's, that's good. That's healthy to have different things. It's just when developers and publishers go one way, it's a little weird because most normal people are in the middle. They're like, fine, leave me the hell alone. Stop doing this to me. Like, I don't care about your ideologies. Leave me alone. Let me play my game. Stop telling me how white people are, are terrible. That's where we're at right now is that companies are not really in sync with normal people. And we need to get back to that. But unfortunately, the only way to get back to that is to boycott everything <laughs> if you want to. But for, like I said, I'm a mixture. I'm actually really excited to see where season four goes. I will probably be playing this when it comes out. I'm probably giving my impressions of season four in the beginning because I think it should be an interesting time for Sombra in general. But anyways, let me know what you think in the comments below, but thank you for listening to digital coffee. As always, please subscribe to digital coffee and all your favorite podcasting apps. Leave a five-star review. Let's get to the top of that genre, but also get to playing what you want to play. I hope you enjoy Overwatch 2 or whatever else you enjoy and see you next week. Later.